MNK Talk YA now presents Winter Part 1 of the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer. MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. I think last time I just introduced myself as I'm Kay, because I forgot how we usually do it. <laughs> I know, but you know what? It, it worked. It worked really well. I, I almost introduced myself the other day as I'm not Katie Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your name was the one that popped into my mind. I was like, I'm not Katie Bradford. <laughs> I really would like it if everyone introduced themselves in reference to me. Like, oh, I'm Katie Bradford's sister, or like, I'm Katie Bradford's friend, or something. I'm only Katie Bradford's friend. <laughs> no, you're my podcast partner, so that's like... Your co-host. Yeah, co-host. I like that. I know, that's what I've been telling people. I co-host a podcast with a friend. Oh my goodness, I need to update my resume now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I need to update my work. We have like little things at work that's like... A fun fact about you, or like, ask me about blank. And um, I actually messed up because we were supposed to write something like, ask me about um, like shipping hazardous items to foreign (laughs) countries or like something related to your job. And I wrote, ask me about my dog, Banjo. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that was one of the projects I worked on right before I left was designing that whole like concept of ask me about... (laughs) Oh, I felt so stupid because everyone was like, ask me about proofreading and cleaning up spills in the warehouse. And I was just like, ask me about my dog. (laughs) I remember when I first... That's the only thing I want to talk about. When I first started in our department, they had us do like a, tell us like three fun facts about yourself. But I thought it was just the new hires. And our, our friend Sheila started a week before me. And we went to elementary school together. So my fun fact was like, I've known Sheila since we were five. But I didn't realize it was sent out to the whole department, and Sheila had just started a week before, so no one knew who she was, and they were like... Well, they knew her as Katie Bradford's friend. (laughs) Why is this girl talking about Sheila? (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It was pretty funny. But speaking of updating resumes, this really has nothing to do with updating resumes, but we now are updating iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes now. Our podcast is like super legit now. I think that's what it means, right? Yeah, and you can search for us, which is great. You can search for us on iTunes, and you can subscribe, and that way you'll get, like, all the all of our, every time we post an episode, it'll be automatically downloaded to your phone, which is great. Awesome. I know. And then you can also, I don't know, if you feel like it, you can rate and review us, and that increases how many people get to see us, I think. And then you can introduce yourself as Katie Bradford's podcast reviewer, so, you know. Yeah, which is an honor in and of itself. (laughs) I'm just kidding, everyone. (laughs) I'm not really. (laughs) Also, I have found so many excuses to say the word quadrology this week. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, I just, ever since we decided or discovered or whatever we did with that word, um, it's been top of mind. So I throw it into conversations for no reason. 
And I bet people think you're super smart because they've never heard that word before. And they're like, oh, I never knew that's what it was called. But thank I hope we start a trend where like we make quadrology happen. Like we make fetch happen. <laughs> I'm all for it. That means more books for all of the trilogies out there. So I'm totally down for that. Exactly. Um, okay, so... Speaking of books, we are we started Winter, the 800-page saga of Winter, and did you want to talk about what we learned this week about Snow White? Because I'm pretty sure that's what it's based off of. Yes, I'm pretty sure you are right, and I feel like you're good at starting us off on this way, on the origin stories. So, well, was this written on the moon? Just tell me. No, it wasn't. The Actually, the oldest, um, well, the, like... The, the version that had the most substance to it was the Brothers Grimm, which is super boring because it's like, it's always the Brothers Grimm. But their story that I read from them was actually really interesting. Okay. Um, so I don't mind sharing that one. So basically, it was, the story starts out with, there's a woman who is sewing and she accidentally pricks her finger with a needle and three drops of her blood fall into the snow Wait, what's the one where someone pricks their finger? What's... Oh, Sleeping Beauty. Okay, sorry, continue. Well, there's a lot of, like, women accidentally stabbing themselves with needles. And you wonder why I'm afraid to touch a needle. Exactly. Well, (laughs) so I guess something good happens. So her blood falls in the snow. I don't know why she was snowing out... Or sewing outside (laughs) in the middle of winter, but whatever. What else Um, are you supposed to do in the middle of winter? (laughs) Stay inside where it's warm. (laughs) Um, so her blood falls in the snow and she immediately marvels at like how beautiful it is. And so she makes a wish that she had a child who was as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as her sewing frame. Huh. And also she was probably really high. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize it started from that. Like I knew the whole, you know, she's so, she's fair as snow and you know, all that stuff. But even that, like, kind of freaks me out. Like, I think if I saw someone white as snow, I wouldn't be like, wow, they're gorgeous. I'd be like, whoa, they need to go outside. Yeah. Well, also, she doesn't specify which parts of the child she wants to be as white as snow and red as blood and black as her sewing frame. So, like, she could have ended up with God knows what. (laughs) And, like, it's a wish, so you probably should be pretty specific about what you want. Also, so wait, she just made a wish randomly? She just was able to do that? Or was there like a shooting star or a whatever? No. Four-leaf clover? There was just a needle that she stabbed herself with. And she made this wish, and then she ends up with a baby who matches her description exactly. (laughs) Um, So next time I'm sewing, I should uh, wish about my future children. I, don't do it until you're ready to have kids, though, because <laughs> it will happen. And don't joke it about it. It's serious. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> I can't have, like, purple, like, the Northwestern Wildcats in case I end up with a purple child. I mean, well, she didn't specify, really, what parts, so, you know, you might get lucky. I have no idea. Maybe they'll have, like, purple eyes. That would be cool. Or, or weird. Or both. I would... <laughs> I wouldn't mind having purple eyes. I think that'd be pretty. But, okay, so anyway, then the woman dies. Like, right after after childbirth? Yeah. And I guess that's pretty accurate, but I do feel like a lot of mothers die in all of these fairy tales. But I also think back in the day, childbirth, still childbirth is, like, one of the most dangerous things a woman can do. Yeah, that's true. Um, Okay, so she, she dies, and then her husband takes another wife, who is the stepmother, and 
the stepmother is described as very vain and she has a mirror and every day she asks the mirror who's the fairest in the land which we know of and then all of a sudden when snow white turns seven the mirror tells the um queen that snow white is fairest of them all okay so i have another question do we have any backstory about this mirror like what made it talk to her no okay Mm -mm. because i feel like that would be really interesting I know. Like, where did she get it? Where did she get a magic mirror? How do I find one? Is it on Amazon? You know, these kinds of things. <laughs> eBay? <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> so she's filled with hate and envy because her stepdaughter is more beautiful than she is. So she summons a huntsman and tells him to take Snow White into the woods, kill her, and bring back her lungs and her liver as proof that she's dead. Her lungs and her liver? What a oddly like- specific... Because in the um, the Disney version, it's her heart, right? Yeah. And actually, in so in the Italian version, it's her intestines. Gross. Ugh. And then in the Spanish version, she, this is ridiculous. What? She asks for a bottle of her blood stoppered with the princess's big toe. Oh. <laughs> what, what is she planning to do with that? Serve it next to the flesh cookies that the wolf made? <laughs> Back in the Out of day. the grandma? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what she plans to do with it. So the huntsman takes uh, Snow White into the woods, can't bring himself to kill her, so he kills a boar instead, and he brings back his lungs and his liver, and the queen eats them. Okay, and also, wait, so in this version, she's seven years old, Snow White, when she's out in the woods. Oh, middle. yes, okay. she's seven. That's crazy. Okay. And so she eats the boar's liver and lungs, thinking that they're Snow White's. Okay. So this is more cannibalism, but this time it's voluntary. Also, it's, it's not actually cannibalism because he didn't actually bring back her lungs. It was attempted. That's true. It was That's attempted true. cannibalism. Attempted. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that like made me curious, right? So then I went down a rabbit hole, being like, "Why would you eat someone's organs?" And I learned. And let's really hope you're not framed for murder this week because that's in your Google history now. Don't even ask what I had to Google to learn this. I learned that, um, okay, so people believe that consuming organs or drinking someone's blood would help them absorb their powers. So, like, drinking the blood of, like, a young person would help keep you youthful. So she probably thought by eating Snow White's organs, it would keep her young and beautiful, or, like, she would absorb her beauty. What did she tell her husband? The husband is curiously absent for all of this. Okay, that's another question I have about just when fairy tales were invented, stepmothers were all evil and the dads were all absent. They were all absent fathers. <laughs> I have no idea. But then like, okay, further research led me to find that there is such a thing called a vampire facial, which is a real thing. Did you go and order one somewhere? No, because you have to have your blood drawn and... Which, that doesn't bother me. But then Ugh. they centrifuge your platelets out, and then, they inge- and then they poke your face full of needles, and then they pour the platelets onto your face to absorb into your skin. Okay, I didn't even know that that existed, but that's literally my worst fear in the world. It's needles and blood, like, no. And my face, no. <laughs> There's a picture online of Kim Kardashian getting one, and it's horrific. It looks like she just ate, like... She, she looks like in Game of Thrones when, like, Daenerys eats the stallion heart. And she just has blood all over her face. Oh, it's, my goodness. I know. So that's where I think they were going with the whole eating the heart thing. 
But then, okay, in this story, in this story, the little girl escapes. Now that you're giggling, I know something terrible is about to happen. It's not too terrible, but it's just kind of... <laughs> it's relatively it's, not terrible. <laughs> it's relatively... It's just it's just ridiculous because she meets... She runs away from the huntsman and she meets the seven dwarves. So she goes to the seven dwarves' house. Okay, wait. So and, she in that version, she runs away. She does, He doesn't let her go. He lets her go. No. He says, run away. Oh, okay. And then he kills okay. the boar. Okay. So he does let her go and she finds her way to the seven dwarves' house and... So just picture this. This is a seven-year-old who has just recently escaped being murdered by a strange man in the woods. And she comes to what she thinks is a safe house. She opens the door. There's seven dwarves there. And she tells them what happens. And they try to bargain with her. And they're like, okay, we'll take you in and we'll like give you safety. But you have to do the following things for us. And, and these are the things that they want her to do. Okay. She has to... Cook, make beds, wash, sew, knit, keep everything clean and orderly. And then she can stay with them. Interesting. But like, in what situation does a seven-year-old come to your house who's like, yeah, this man just tried to murder me. And they're like, yeah, we can, I mean, we'll, we'll keep you safe. We'll take you in. But you got to do all this stuff for us. <laughs> what is I actually think that's pretty resourceful. The next time a seven-year-old comes to my house. Asking for shelter. <laughs> I'm going to get some use out of that. <laughs> you have to make my bed. I need a foot massage. You can take my dog for a walk <laughs> and make me some brownies. Thank you. But she's seven years old. <laughs> but And then so she agrees, which is just ridiculous because... No, that's smart. I would agree to do anything if I was in that situation, even if I couldn't would do you? it. I mean, not I anything, run. but I'd be like... I'd be like, okay, just let me in right now. I'll figure out another plan. I can make a couple beds. I would just run to the next house. Just go to the next house. Well, okay, are they in the middle of the woods or are they in the neighborhood? Because, <laughs> let's clarify. They are in the middle of the woods. But, okay. like, any other house would be better than one filled with seven dwarves who want you to do housework. Any other house. I mean, you could run into the wolf's house. You could run, like, into the witch's tower. You could grab something from the wrong garden. I'm just saying, back in the day, I'd take those odds over some of the other ones we read about. <laughs> okay, I guess so. They tell her, um, oh, and then they go off to work every day, and they leave her there home alone. Hi-ho, hi-ho. I remember that part in Disney. Hi-ho the hell away from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no thanks. But she stays. She stays anyway. And so she... So they tell her, don't open the door to anyone because the queen's probably looking for you. And sure enough, the queen is talking to her mirror because she needs some self-validation. And she discovers that Snow White's still alive. So this obviously fills her with rage. So she disguises herself as a peddler and she goes back to the house of the seven dwarves. Here's another question, um, though. Do you think she's mad that the girl's still alive? Or do you think she's mad that she didn't get to eat her liver and lungs? Oh, to absorb, I think she's probably just mad that she's still not the fairest in the land. Okay, yeah, she seems kind of petty like that. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the Seven Doors house um, selling bodice laces. And Snow White. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The traveling bodice lace salesman. Okay. <laughs> I am a used bodice lace salesman. <laughs> so Wait, she goes... they were used? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so Snow White buys one, and the queen lace offers to lace her up, and she pulls the laces so tightly that Snow White can't breathe. 
And so the queen thinks she's dead, so she leaves. And the dwarves come back, and they find her passed out. Okay, wait. I have they... I have two comments about this. One, <laughs> why does a seven-year-old need a bodice lace in the first place? And two, at that point, if she was alone in the woods, but then someone comes to the door, then maybe I'd tell my story. Granted, that wouldn't be the right person to tell it to, but in that situation, oh, yeah, I maybe wouldn't go to the idea. next house if I was in the middle of the woods, but I would tell a traveling bodice lace salesman what happened. <laughs> hey, can you just take me with you wherever you're going? <laughs> can I help sell these bodice laces, please? I'll model them for you. I'm seven <laughs> years old, but what the heck. Um, so yeah, the dwarves come back. They, they untie her laces. She starts to breathe again. Everything's fine. But the queen's mad because she's still alive. So the next time she uses the same disguise, but she um, uses some witchcraft, I guess, to make a poisoned comb. And at first Snow White's like, no, I can't let you in because, you know, this other lady who looked just like you, like, tried to suffocate me. But <laughs> she, she likes the comb so much that she just lets her in anyway. Okay, again, <laughs> seven years old, I kind of get that. I gave her tra- She's shown seven, a seven-year-old yeah. something and then told them they can't have, like, yeah, seven-year-olds yeah. are like that. You, you see, like, videos where they try to tempt real children with candy to be like don't take candy from strangers they always take the candy (laughs) like they always take it have you ever seen videos where a stranger tries to give me candy because i always take it too oh that doesn't surprise me (laughs) (laughs) but don't take combs because it's a poison comb so she combs her hair with it and it's poison so she falls down but then the dwarves come back and they just pull the comb out and she revives okay which I'm pretty sure is not how poison works. I feel like if you but go if whatever. you go from Hunter, go and take her lungs out of her body, your next step, even if you do it yourself, shouldn't be so passive as let me tighten these laces and leave you alone and give well, you a comb that someone can just pull out and you'll be fine. But it's like it's like a cowardly way to kill someone. You know, sure, like poison but I, was considered like the cowardly way to kill someone. Yeah, but if it's something then like don't have it so easy to remove. Exactly. Well, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So the third time, she's like, all right, I, I got to get her this time. So she makes a poison poison apple, is how they describe it, a doubly poisoned apple. Ooh. And she gives it to Snow White. Again, let the old woman in. and In the same disguise. In the same disguise. And she says, I'll take half of it and you take the other half. So she gives Snow White the poisoned half and she eats it and she dies. And this time... <laughs> The dwarves come back and they undo her laces, they comb her hair, and they wash her with water and wine, which is gross. But nothing works. Nothing revives her. Okay, I have another question. Do you think the dwarves at this point have grown attached to her, or do you think they merely really don't want to make their own bed? No, I think they actually care for her. Okay. In the Disney movie, they do, but I don't know about Brothers Grimm. I think they do, because when they think she's dead... They, she's so beautiful to them that they can't bring themselves to bury her. So they build a transparent glass coffin. Oh, of course. It just, that, it seems like the worst idea in the world. Why, why would you do that? So you can slowly watch them rot? That also seems like a, like, kind of hard. To build a glass coffin? Yeah. I've never tried it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the other day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And we've seen how great I am at geometry, so <laughs> I don't know how well that would work. So then, sorry, this is, the story's almost over, I promise. So then they leave her in this glass coffin, and she somehow miraculously does not decompose, but she's left there for a really long time. And then after a while, 
A prince is just passing by, as they do. They just wander through the woods. Don't they have kingdoms to run? Like We know this from Rapunzel. <laughs> Don't they have healthcare bills to reform? <laughs> so, um, okay, so the prince asks to stay with the dwarfs, and then he asks about the coffin, and they tell him, like, you know, what it's all about. And the prince says, let me have the coffin. I will give you anything you want for it. Okay, creeper. So again, this she's she's still seven years old, right? I don't think so. I think she's in the coffin for a really long time. And she ages? Yeah. Or she just doesn't decompose? No, I, th- I, I really hope she ages because the prince marries her. So that would be real messed up. Yeah. But like, but- why does he want a coffin with a dead girl in it? I'm trying to even think of something funny to say as a response, and I've got literally, I can think of no reasons why he needs a dead girl in a coffin. It's like, it's like Norman Bates. So they won't sell it because they say it's precious, and he says, fine, if you won't sell it, just give it to me, because I can't, (laughs) because I can't live without seeing this girl. I will honor and respect her as my most cherished one. But still, it's a dead girl in a coffin. So weird. Yeah, that is so weird. So he just takes the coffin. He has his servant. Also, what if he had a girlfriend at the time? I wonder if she was like, dude, what the hell? Maybe she was into it. I don't know. I don't think he did, though, because they he has his servants bring down the coffin. One slips and knocks against the coffin, and the apple, the poisoned apple, dislodges from her throat, and she wakes up. Okay, so it's really bad poison. Yeah, but and, it, and it's nice because he doesn't like do the thing where he kisses her when she's unconscious, which... You know, Which is we had issue with. <laughs> I did have an issue with that, but I'm having enough issues already. I'm not sure. I think I'd almost like respect this prince more if he had just kissed her instead of like I'm going to take you away in your coffin and Do display God you. What? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So she wakes up and he says, "says Where am I?" And the prince says, "You're with me." <laughs> and he tells her what happens, and he says he loves her more than anyone else in the world. Except because all you really need to do to fall in love with a woman is look at her. And if she's beautiful enough, that's all you need. Yeah, it doesn't matter that you didn't know she existed until three hours ago. Or that she was dead until three hours ago. <laughs> exactly. So they get married and um, they invite her stepmother to the wedding. And the queen goes because she doesn't know that it's Snow White who the prince marries. She just knows by asking her mirror that the new queen is the fairest in the land. And so she, she's afraid to go, but her curiosity gets the better of her. So she goes and recognizes Snow White. And in retaliation for what she did to Snow White, they punish her. And I'm not even kidding you. This is the last, these are the last sentences of the story. Oh, man. They go. put a pair of iron shoes into burning coals. They were brought forth with tongs and placed before her. She was forced to step into the red-hot shoes and dance until she fell down dead. The end. <laughs> what? Yep. Where did they come up with this stuff? Punishment back in the day was so weird. But also, I just have a lot of questions about this queen. Like, I get that she wanted to be the most beautiful person in the world, but Snow White couldn't have been the o- Seven-year-old Snow White could not have been the only person in all the land who was more fair than this lady over multiple years. I mean, thank God she was, because then she would have been trying to kill a bunch of women. But then also, she was really bad at killing people. Like, no offense, but, like, if you're going to poison someone, have it stick. If it takes you three times to kill someone, like, mm, maybe get a different hobby. Here's what I found out, and I'm impressed with myself for discovering this. But, so I actually heard that Snow White is based on a true story. Ooh. 
And in 1533, there was this girl named Marguerite von Waldeck. Oh, that's my grandma's name. Really? Marguerite, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the whole name. No, just just Marguerite. Wow. (laughs) She's named after a... Well, I'll tell you. Um, And this lady was a countess, and she had a stepmom who forced her to go to Brussels. And when she was there, she fell in love with uh, Philip II, King Philip II, Mm -hmm. I think that was, in Spain, something like that. And her family thought it was an unsuited match, and she died at age 21 by poison. Ooh. And so the whole dwarf thing, her father used to own these copper mines and they would employ um, children as, they called it quasi-slaves. Wow. And a lot of these kids would die really, really young because they were forced to do all this hard labor at a young age and like really, you know, they're working no. in copper mines, so that's not good for you. But the ones who didn't die would still be really, really stunted. Oh, because they lived like without sunlight? Yeah, and because they were doing all this hard labor at a young age, so I think their like muscles and you know bones weren't growing the same way, um, oh, and they were known cool. as the dwarves. And this took place in France. This took place, I think. In, well, I think that part was in Brussels. Well, no, wait, where were I? You know, I, I should have kept the article open so I could answer more questions, but I did not. Does she die? The other, yeah. So she was poisoned. She died by poisoning, Ooh. and there was also this guy who, around the same time, I think was giving kids poison apples because they kept stealing from him and he was trying to prevent them from stealing from him. So he was giving out poison apples. So those are like the two pieces of history, I guess, that helped influence this story. (laughs) Okay, that, if kids, what were they stealing from him that was so important that he felt the need to kill them? I think he was, they were stealing apples, so he started poisoning the apples. But I'm not clear if he just, like, poisoned the apples that he left for the kids to steal or if he was, like, started giving out poison apples to kids because someone was stealing oh from him. Oh, apples for the whole neighborhood. Because I feel like those are slightly different. <laughs> An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Not so much. Oh, my goodness. That is crazy. I never heard that story. And when, would, when did that happen? So the Marguerite lady was around 1533. I don't know if that's when she was born or when she died. That's but. well before the Brothers Grimm tale. So, oh, I like having an or- a true life origin story. Poor Marguerite. I, I also thought it was interesting. Like so, like again, like just a couple of the pieces were so similar. Like that she was poisoned, and I, I kind of really like the dwarf story because that's one thing that we don't have yet. At least I don't. I don't know if you see a parallel right now in, in the winter. Book? We don't have any dwarfs right now. No. Any seven dwarfs. No. The only thing that was close was they take refuge at um, Wolf's mom's house. And that's kind of like the seven, like they take refuge at a house, but that's it. There's no seven And then dwarfs. I also, because that whole um, sector or whatever works in the mines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the dwarfs worked in the mines. So that was kind of oh, like the, the connection I made, but it wasn't the same. I was kind of, well, um, again, we still have over half the book left at this point so maybe we'll see some dwarfs or some more parallels yeah and that, and that's where they all get the um regolith poisoning or whatever from like inhaling the dust yep so that's really similar to your story wait so who poisoned marguerite again the man old man selling apples no that was a sep- that was like just a, a that's where the apple poison apple came from but marguerite was poisoned they think by king like the king of spain like the philip the second's dad Oh. Or like, I mean, not not by him directly, but basically that side of the Yikes. love triangle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why neither family wanted them to wed. I would think, I mean, I don't, what's a countess? Like, 
Where is that in the hierarchy of royalty? Mm, I think it's below a duke. Okay. Because <laughs> you'd up. think, you know, okay. I well, know. I believe you. <laughs> you watch the royal, royal wedding at work. That's so true. I feel that's like true. <laughs> you know these things. I should know that. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that there was like a real lady. I also don't know, like I obviously I've never heard of Marguerite von Waldeck before. So I don't know enough about like how much of that was like relatively common-y stuff. Like did people, I think people would just send their kids to random places if they didn't want to deal with them. Like move to Brussels. Yeah. Or it was just like for a, a marriage alliance or I don't know, as like a, a gesture of goodwill between countries. Yeah. Again, I'm just thinking of game. But of it didn't sound. It didn't sound. Again, I just read the kind of a brief article about it, so it didn't sound like. It sounded like the stepmom was just trying to get rid of her. Oh. But then while she was there, she fell in love with this prince, and everyone was like, "This ain't good. <laughs> we can't have this. Let's kill her. <laughs> we can't just." Send her I home. know the solution. Let's poison her. <laughs> let's can't. Let's not move her again. Let's just poison her. Oh, God, she's so much trouble. <laughs> Okay, so some stuff is obviously parallel, like some of the basic stuff that we even got hints of before. Like, Winter is loved by the people. Her stepmom is Lavana mm-hmm. and cruel to her. Who has a her. bad relationship with Mirrors, too. Right? Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. even think about that part. Like, Lavana... but, no, but not because Mirrors are talking to her, but because Mirrors reveal her not-so-pretty self. Yes. But I guess that's kind of what the mirror does in the story, too. I mean, in a different way. But the mirror reveals that she's not the fairest in the land, and still the mirror's revealing that to her. Exactly. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a good, a good parallel. And how she has, like, all the mirrors removed from Luna and the palace yeah. when she comes to Earth. And since we know Winter isn't using her um, glamour, we know that she's actually just naturally beautiful. Right. And you know what else I really loved? I what? loved that the author chose to make Snow White a woman of color. Yeah. That was great. Because so I actually read this this thing. Um, I guess it took her a really long time to write Winter, and she thought she wasn't ever going to finish it, and she took a break and wrote Fairest first because oh. she needed more backstory for Lavana. Like, for her, you know, she was trying to, like, figure out Lavana more and, and whatnot. And she saw a picture of a beautiful model and decided, like, that's – who I'm picturing as winter as winter yeah that's awesome did you know who the model was no I did not again I'm I'm like two-thirds of the way to half of these things <laughs> sorry <laughs> but I loved it because it's like you know the thing that's so problematic about Snow White is she has this obviously snow white skin and she's also the fairest of them all so it's like this unfair parallel between white skin being fairest so to turn that on its head is like super refreshing and I I really love that she that she chose to make that choice. Yeah, agreed. And I also think it's interesting that no one else knows that Winter is purposely not using her gift. That's true. Like Lavana thinks that she's just has a really weak lunar gift because there's that scene where she's like pretending to try and use her gift with her tutor and just like feigning like she can't do it. So, I really like I don't know. I, I thought that everyone knew she wasn't using it, but she is hiding it from everyone. But my question is, do they really not know, or do you think Lavana has an idea? I don't know. That's a good question, because she talks about how, like, winter is an embarrassment to the court. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't, but then everyone, all the other lunars, like, understand what lunar sickness is. So it's, it seems weird that they can't put two and two together. 
Well, and I, I guess I don't get enough of a sense, but it does seem like they think she's kind of loopy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, like, it's not just, like, us. Like, it's not just the reader who knows. She's not, like, hiding her crazy. Mm-mm. So, yeah. But it's good also that we got, like, a reason for why she doesn't use her gift. Yeah. I, I mean, that was awful, but, like, this thermometer's Amory is, like, a real piece of work. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's, he's worse than Sybil. I hope someone makes his mind go crazy and jump off a roof. Me too. But just the fact that, like, Winter thought that, or she realizes that, like, you think you could be using your gift for good, but who are you to determine what's good for someone? Yeah. And I I really respect her for that, and I think, you know, I love that backstory. I totally get the morality aspect there and why you wouldn't even do something small to help someone in case that's not actually helping them. But I still don't get why she can't, like, change her hair color or something. I agree (laughs) If it keeps her from going crazy. But I also don't know if that actually keeps you from going crazy because I would say the same thing for uh, uh, what's his name, Erland, Doctor Erland, yeah, Doctor Erland. Before, like, if there was something small he could do, like make himself taller, he like makes a joke yeah. about that. I, I don't know, know if it's I mean, enough. but at the same time, I get the like, if you don't draw a hard line, where do you draw the line? Like, I yeah. mean, I because she was like, it's never just innocuous. Like, it's never just a small thing. Like, even if it's something that you think is small, like, it, it's still a lie, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it is still a lie, and I get that. I just, I don't know. I probably couldn't do it. I just can't imagine losing my mind and knowing yeah. I could do something about it. But, okay, so we talked about mirrors. We talked about stepmoms, which, okay, what do you, like, if I was a stepmom to a child in my life, uh-huh. I feel like I wouldn't want them to watch any Disney movies. All the stepmoms are evil. Yeah. I, mm, and, all, and all the fairy tales. I'm trying to think of, like, they are. I mean, why, like, why did they have to do that? Why, why do they, they even have to be that? stepmoms? Why couldn't they just be, like, I don't know, some evil neighbor lady or something? Like, <laughs> and it's always an evil woman, too. That's not fair. I know. I mean, I guess in some ways it's good that they don't make it just, like, regular moms. Like, that could be maybe even... Oh, yeah, because it's like, don't trust your mom, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, in this case, don't trust Lavana and don't trust Cinder's stepmom either. I forget her name right now. What's her name? Audrey. Again? Audrey, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what are things we think are still going to happen? So do we think we'll actually see dwarves, or do we no, think just this... I don't think okay. so. I don't... I mean... <sighs> we have, like, the wolf hybrid people, and... That's about it. I guess I don't really think that we're going to see dwarves like a new people, but I wonder if we'll see like seven helpers for winter at some point. Or something with like the symbol, the symbolism of seven, because that's like exactly. really important throughout the original fairy tale. So <laughs> one thing I did like about this book, though, is that we're getting a lot of like backstory, I feel like. Yeah. We learned that Lavana's parents were killed by a shell who snuck into the palace. So now like we have a reason for why she doesn't like shells. And, and we also have a reason for why Luna doesn't, like, as a whole, doesn't like shells because they feel unsafe. Totally. Yeah. And I wonder, do you, but do you get a sense that she's using that or that she's actually, like, because of her parents concerned about it? I don't know. I think it's probably a mixture because, like, we don't know how old she was when her parents were killed, but I mean, that would be traumatic, right? So that would last with you. And then the fact that, like, her, she needs her glamour to cover whatever it is she has to cover. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that they can see her, and then she, you know... I mean, she dislikes Winter so much because the people love her, I think. Like, I don't even yeah. know if it's so much about her beauty, but she 
hates that the people I think it's love jealousy her. because I think she's trying to use she's trying to force people to love her. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's why I'm like I don't even know I don't get the sense that she had like her parents were great parents and she misses them and is trying to avenge them or anything like that. I get the sense that like she's always been trying to find or create or force love because yeah. I mean, maybe it's because her parents died. Maybe she was really young when her parents died. So even though she doesn't have necessarily, you know, like, but she just had an absence of love or something. I don't know. Yeah. And she's also does a lot to try and force people to be loyal to her. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, one of the great parallels of Winter to Snow White is when she tells Jason to kill Winter. Like, yeah, she gives him the task of killing Winter in order to prove that he's loyal to her. And, I mean, yeah. it's totally just a knee-jerk reaction because she's losing control over the whole, like, essentially battle that's going on. And she is, like, using him to try and at least, I feel like, gain one ally to say, like, okay, if you c- can kill the princess, that proves that you're loyal to me. But I don't even understand how she thought that would work. She seems very aware of their special relationship. I mean, it was a power play, you know? Yeah. And that's why Jason was so hesitant to, like, give in to, I think, the affection he feels for Winter because he knows that Levana would use it against him and turn her into a weapon. And use her against him, or use him against her and her, like, use them both. Totally. The more obvious it was. But she already, I don't know, she already knew. I also, I think I'm just disappointed. I thought Thorne was going to be the huntsman. I guess we now know he's the Rapunzel prince, but after a... Mm, uh, yeah. Uh, Red Riding Hood. He was the huntsman kind oh. of in that. So I was just hoping for a parallel. You'd rather a huntsman than a prince? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just want more Thorn all the time. We know this. <laughs> no surprise. Um, all right, this is something that confused me. Okay. So Winter loves Jason, and Jason is a guard. And yes. there's this weird power play where, like, Amory is making moves on Winter, and he... Asks her to marry him in the worst proposal that I've ever heard. Yes. And now they're saying that, like, Winter could never marry Jason because he's just a lowly guard. And, like, matching her with a thaumaturge like Amory would be really politically beneficial. But we learned that Lavana's husband was a guard. So what's going on there? Yeah. I don't know if it's... um, Well, I think from Lavana's perspective, she doesn't give a... She doesn't care at all if... Winter's happy or in love. So I get the sense, especially, you know, when she kept the ring, you know, when she had the ring under mm-hmm. her glamour before. Like, I think she really loved the guard slash um, Winter's dad. Yeah. I do, I do too. But then we learned that, like, her husband was killed by a thaumaturge, right? And she's like, yeah. oh, he died protecting me. But I don't know. It, it just seems, like, suspect to me. My detective... And since we're coming out again because like she says that the thaumaturge lunged at her and her husband the guard threw him like protected her and that she stabbed the thaumaturge but I feel like I don't know like what we've learned so far about how easy it is to control guards I feel like she pr- might have forced her husband to throw himself in front of her since the guard he's a guard and he's easier to control than a thaumaturge so I don't know that like made me raise my yeah. eyebrows no, I agree. I think that there's definitely more going on than whatever. And if she was there and cuz again, if someone was attacking, then you think she could cuz she's so strong, she could have just stopped the attacker instead of letting him get in the way or forcing him to get in the way or whatever she did. Yeah. 
I don't know. But I think but you're I, right. I think she did love him. But I think I think there's something I think that's the one relationship that kind of mattered to her, but I don't think it was I don't think it was necessarily like true love, perfect, happily ever after, and then this one incident happened. I think there's like there has to be something there more to it, yeah. And it yeah. might have even been it might have even been related to winter because she hates winter so much. Because winter obviously had a mom at some point. I oh mean, yeah, that's true. You know, Lavana wasn't the mom, so do you think we'll find that out in the Lavana story, Fairest? Probably, actually. Okay, I'm like really well, anxious to read it now. <laughs> I think we'll get clues in this book, though, too. That's true. That's true. I mean, I just, I feel like we're learning so much. I mean, just even being up there, you know, we're getting more insight into her. And I feel like, I mean, so you said it's a fairy tale. Things are supposed to end happily ever after. So happily ever after is our Rampion Rangers all get together, <laughs> live, and take over Lavana, Or, you know, get, you know, yeah. victory over Lavana. Yeah. But in order for that to happen, I still feel like we at least need to know I mean, we're starting to learn more about Lavana, but we need to have at least enough to, like, understand why she's the villain, which we're getting there. We really are. Because, like, even... I feel like we're going to get more there. I feel like there's going to, you know, there's going to be some final battle scene with, like, some epic one-liner. Some reveal. And we're going to be like, oh, I kind of get it, Lavana. I feel the same way or something. Yeah. There has to be some something that we can use to, like, sympathize with. I mean, like, having your parents killed by a show, having your husband killed in front of you, like, it's, I agree, it's getting there. We're not quite there. But, I mean, I don't know. Even just learning that, like, her husband and Jason's father were best friends. And that's how Winter and Jason became such close friends. So, like, maybe there's something there about her envying these very natural, real relationships that people form that she is incapable of forming with another human being. So maybe there's, like, envy about that, about the idea Or of do you think maybe she, because it seems like she really cares about power, maybe her husband wasn't you know he was a guard so he like didn't have very much power and maybe he couldn't be anything more than a guard and she like resented him for it or something oh maybe but don't you think she would kind of find that attractive like being the person in the relationship who i don't know has like the most power i mean i don't think she would be attracted to someone more powerful than her but i also like that's not a real relationship if it's so unbalanced like that especially because we know she uses it (laughs) But I feel like that is attractive to her. Yeah. Like being the one. Because look at her and Kai. I mean, you know. I mean, I know she wants to but marry Kai for his kingdom, not him. I was going to say, I don't think she's attracted to him no. at all. I think she's purely. But it's a power move. It's a again. power move. Yeah. She's addicted to power. But so do you think Do you think by marrying a guard it like hurt her reputation or hurt her power? That's a good question, though, because I don't think she would have made the decision. Like she's clearly fine with marrying someone not for love. So I feel like in the beginning, like for her first husband, if she was worried about not hurting her reputation, she wouldn't have married him. Unless Okay, but but hypothetically, she was relatively young and in love. She marries this guy. She has all these dreams about what her future looks like and then he can't live up to them. That's true. I don't know. I'm just I'm just I want to know more too. Yeah. I'm just trying to think I I don't know. But yeah, it was, I did like that whole scene. I mean, I didn't like it, but when Jason killed the wolf and Helps those go. ties to the Snow White story. I mean, I knew he was going to help. I mean, I knew he wasn't going to kill Winter. I felt like yeah. I knew that, but I didn't know how he was going to not kill her. <laughs> I know, I know. And I felt, ugh. It was just so awful because like, I mean, you know why Lavana wanted him to kill him, but you 
I just felt like Amory was in on it too. If I'm going to touch Amory because like she refused his offer of marriage and it was kind of like, if I can't have her, no one will, which was like, you know, pretty awful. It too. reminded me of like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just like that, that guy who thinks he's so great and doesn't even have to try. Like he didn't even do anything to even try to woo or impress her. No. Like not that I think she would have fallen for it at all. But, like, I was like, you didn't even put in any effort at all. He basically says, during his worst proposal ever, you need someone with a strong gift to offset your own disability. I think that's exactly what he says. For some reason, it reminded me of Gaston. Oh, my God. I saw that movie on Friday. Yeah, I just saw it, too, and I loved it, by the way. I loved it, too. It was so good. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, (laughs) like, at the very end, when... The beast transforms. Chad just looked over to me at one at one point, and he just goes, "Is that Matthew Crawley?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yes, it's Matthew Crawley. He's in it for all of two seconds." <laughs> so I have no problem seeing children's movies, but for some reason, because it was like live I forgot it was a children's movie so when I showed up at the theater and there were all these kids, I was like, oh. "What are they doing here?" <laughs> Yeah, we saw it pretty late, so there weren't that many kids in the theater. But I felt like I was talking to Alicia about this because we saw it together too, and she and we got ice cream before. <laughs> and I was just like, I feel like I'm a little kid because all week I've been looking forward to eating ice cream for dinner and then going to see Beauty and the Beast in the theater. <laughs> Although that's my favorite thing about being an adult is realizing I can, you know, like when you're a kid, you're like, I'm just going to eat ice cream for dinner when I can, you know, when you're not the boss of me or whatever. And then yeah. some days... I mean, I don't eat ice cream every day, but some days I'm like, wait, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I eat popcorn for dinner sometimes, and I love it. It's just as good as you think it's going to be. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, we're hitting, yeah, we're getting kind of long today. Should we? Uh, we had so much to talk about with the. I know. I feel like I haven't even talked, like, I want to talk about the people rebelling in that sector and how Cinder's finally taking a stand. And this video that she recorded, which is, which is kind of And cool. how Cress, like is gotten a lot more courage I will say yes she has I'm very proud of her yeah I am too but I feel like she needs to be less awkward around Thorne yeah but you know it's Thorne I get it yeah okay (laughs) I also like that it looks like we're gonna have another royal wedding because Lavana agreed to have the wedding on Luna now and they all you know like stole snuck onto Luna although you saw how much she manipulated Kai in that, like, um, her counter video thing. Oh, yeah. Which isn't shocking, but it's just, like, I, I don't know. I felt bad for him in that. I felt bad for him, too, and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I just, I feel like you know. <laughs> I, I, I feel you. <laughs> I like that, um, I liked the moment that Kai had on the spaceship with the Rampian Rangers when he was, like, struggling to kind of make himself useful and he like apologized to cinder for the way he treated her at the ball i'm i'm a big i'm a big kai fan now you always were though, that's true. that's not shocking but yes no i agree i respect him a lot i think he's i i also just like i feel some sort of like oh kai piece of me just because i know his parents died and he's por- forced into this awkward situation i feel like he's handling it all with such integrity you Mm -hmm. know like he's really trying to do the right thing at every step and um 
He's a good moral compass. He's still a 16-year-old or 18-year-old or, I forget, 18, right? He's 18. I think so. 17, 18, something like that. Some, you know, he's still a teenager. Yeah. um, And, yeah. And he's really helping Cinder, like, I like watching Cinder become more comfortable with herself now that she's getting used to, like, the idea of someone would love her and, like, treat her Mm -hmm. more than a science project, essentially. So she's, like, really overcoming her self-consciousness, and she's, like, forgetting about the fact that she's cyborg, and you really see her, like, stepping into the role of queen, which is really cool to watch. But he's also coaching her through all of that, which I think she needs, because obviously, yeah, she's only just becoming comfortable with herself as a person, let alone a queen of a planet, or not a planet, a orbital, (laughs) whatever we call it. Earth's orbital dominion. (laughs) Yeah. So I think he's really the only one with the skill set to teach her any of this stuff. And I feel like they really are feeding off of, like, they really make a good team. They do. Uh, I just hope it lasts because if, like, if she becomes Queen of Luna and he's still King of the Earth, like, are they going to do long distance? Like, what are they going to do? And not just long distance, but people are so distrusting of Luna right now. Even if they overthrow Levana, are people just going to be like, oh, well, you overthrew Levana, so now you're on our side? Or are they going to still be like, great, go stay on your own moon and just skype us from time to time yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't know i it seems like it would be a tough situation to resolve but like i really want them to end up together i know i I mean i want all the couples to end up together (laughs) me too me too although okay so do we think although i also kind of you know want something bad to happen to someone because i just feel like it makes it more real well something bad can happen to levana how about that well, but Amory or something good to happen to Lavana, you know, like where maybe Cinder like can't stoop to her level and we actually like um, rehab Lavana at some point or something. So you want it to be like something that's like less cliched. I want it to be. Well, I don't know. I mean, I get that it's a fairy tale. You told me this early on. You're like, it's a fairy tale. We can want a happy ending. But I always like it in books, even when I hate it, you know, like in Harry Potter you know, like, yeah. with friend George, or, you know what, I, like, it's just like, uh, like, but it makes it feel more real, like, something should happen with all this stuff going on. I agree. It's unrealistic for everyone to be not just alive, but, like, yeah. happily in love. And that's the one thing, like, that book is super unrealistic in just so many terms. Like, I was thinking of the fact that, like, Crest and Thorn, when their satellite crashed, it happened to land in Africa right where Dr. Erland was. Like, the odds of that happening are just... So but it wasn't right where Dr. Erlen was because they, that's why they took her to, um... But it was still on the same continent. Yeah, the same continent. Like, but you've know. got to imagine they were lining up to go there anyways. Yeah, I that's true. They would have gotten there one way or another. Oh my gosh, my dog's going crazy. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm still curious to see if we get a, um, what was it, a, a lace bodice salesman or a... Oh. I want to see how close Lavana gets to being the evil queen from Snow White. <laughs> yeah, well, we already have the um, sour apple petites, which sounds delicious. So maybe that will come into play or... Yeah, I do yeah, want to see like a, a poison delicious. something. And I'm curious if, you know, it's Jason's kiss that like fixes her or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or if there's... Or if there's... Maybe, I don't know. But I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. All right. Should we wrap up? I guess we should... Okay. Okay, so next week, obviously, we'll finish the whole series, basically. Yeah, it's the last book. But then we do have the short stories and we do have Ferris, so we could do a little bit more. We could do a little bit more. Okay. I found a really good joke for you today. Okay, I'm ready. All right. 
I'm waiting for my dog to stop barking. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I started a band called 999 Megabytes. We haven't gotten a gig yet. <laughs> Did I ever tell you my nerdy band name that I wanted to start? Oh, no, but I'm really excited to hear it. Well, so I... I can play piano, but I basically have no musical ability. But I really decided in um, science class in high school that the name Photoelectric Effect was a really good band name. And I was like, I need to start a band called Photoelectric Effect. Photoelectric Effect. It does roll off the tongue well. It kind of, like it sounds, I don't know. I'm going to have to work on learning how to make music. And then I'm going to start a band called Photoelectric Effect. What does that even mean? You know, I don't even remember now. That's how... But that's an actual term for something? Yeah, it had something to do with, like, not photosynthesis, but, like, something in, like, my chemistry class or something oh. with... I don't remember. Um, I can play the flute. <laughs> kind of. So, I don't want to start a band with you, though. <laughs> <laughs> but we have the microphones now. I think that's the first step. <laughs> a podcast is hard enough. <laughs> that's true. I get nervous every week, so... <laughs> me too, me too. But we do have, um, I saw that we have 151 downloads. That is which awesome. Which I'm really excited about. And also, it's adorable. I love that your dad likes all of our Facebook posts. <laughs> okay, we call my dad the Facebook stalker dad because <laughs> literally as soon as I post anything to Facebook, he'll like it. That's or so like sweet. if I post something funny and he's in a room next to me, I'll hear him laughing and I'm like, I know you just read my Facebook <laughs> He gets it, like, on his watch. You know, he's got one of those smart watches, and it'll, like, alert him when I post anything. <laughs> That's really cute. It is cute. Okay. Well, I think anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's it. Okay. In that case, talk to you next week, and uh, goodbye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.